Hello, hello, hello. I am back with another episode. I'm feeling really good, right? Because what was it like a couple months ago where I wasn't like, I was like, oh, I'm trying to get on here consistently and get an episode out every week. And here I am the last, um, I think it's like the last three weeks, maybe the last, yeah, I want to say maybe the last three to four weeks. I have consistently put on an episode, y'all. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm really, really proud of myself, and that's what I'm celebrating. Um, and I have a couple episodes that are actually stacked up, um, but I wanted to kind of suspend some of those episodes, kind of push them off for a moment. And I'm here recording an episode that I'm actually going to push forward because um, my one of the episodes that can come out that will come out and be published tomorrow is one about. Um, and probably will be the last episode because if you're listening to this, it's the episode previous, like the previous episode, excuse me, um, is why I think I have ADHD. And at the time, I was just starting to suspect that I had ADHD. So I didn't really have like concrete. Um, I was reading a lot and I couldn't articulate like what I was reading. I was kind of in that phase of like, it was really exciting. It was kind of, I was a little bit nervous. I was reading a whole bunch of stuff. Um, things were resonating with me and it was all over the place. So I kind of want to do a part two of why I think I have ADHD. Um, to date, I still do not have a like official diagnosis. I think the healthcare system is one where it is really, really difficult to, as an adult, I think the challenges of um, that, first of all, I read that research is showing that most women in their adulthood um often get diagnosed because they sense that there's something going on with their children. And it's only then when they take their um, children in to get tested or to get assessed and all of that stuff that the doctor even suspects maybe this comes from mom. Um, or So let's test mom too because it could be quote unquote hereditary. I don't know about all of that. I don't know about the science too much. Um, I just kind of wanted to come on here and talk about the truth of my own experience, my truth. Okay. So um, I have been listening to this really, really cool podcast called um, ADHD AF and it's ADHD as females. That's the AF part is as females. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really cool. I've, I'm only on like episode five, but I'm really resonating with a lot of the things they've been talking about. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to like name drop because, you know, it was, it's, it's really helped me in my own life. Um, it feels really nice and supportive. And I mean, I don't know, again, like everybody that I know that like comes out about having ADHD, I'm just like so amazed because on one hand, ADHD seems to be like this big problem right? Or we, like, at least at some point in my life, I saw ADHD as a problem. Maybe because I was in the education field. And when you have a student who has ADHD, and you need to teach something within a certain time frame, that child becomes, quote, unquote, a problem child, right? And I think this is where our education system, like, fails, because it's not ADHD friendly. It's not neurodivergent friendly. Everything is kind of the systems that were built were built, you know, for and by neurotypical um, people. So take a sip of my coffee here. 
Okay, so let's just kind of hop in. I just want to hop in. I'm just going to get right to it. Um, I have taken a, an assessment. One second. I want to... Okay, had to take a little pause there because I was kind of doing multiple things at one time. And, you know, at the same time that I'm like um, recording this, I also have some people hitting me up and trying to buy something online from me. So I was also dealing with a little bit of uh, texting in between. And um, this is the reason why I suspect I have ADHD. I'm just joking. Um, let me see here. Hmm. Okay. So I recently took an assessment. This is a really amazing assessment. This was actually an assessment that I received from following. I started to follow like ADHD accounts. Um, at any, you know, um, at any rate, like even if I didn't have ADHD or wasn't diagnosed with ADHD, but like I know in my heart that a lot of ADHD symptoms resonate with me. Um, I'm not really interested myself to like get any medications or get on any medications or anything like that. Um, I think for me, what would be really nice to have an ADHD diagnosis is um, just, I guess, forgiveness for myself that I was so hard on myself before and that I didn't know that my brain might function differently than other people's brains. And I think that um, also it might be very healing for me to be able to maybe let my family know and let my parents know because um, I actually didn't learn the same way. I never had any tutors, first of all. Like I, I have to say like I never asked for that kind of help. I think my parents might have been a little bit embarrassed to even ask for that kind of help too. Like if your kid needs a tutor, like then are you not a good parent that you can't teach your kid. You know, I think like some of that stuff kind of came up for my mom because she actually worked with me a lot. Um, I mentioned in the last episode, like God bless her soul that she sat with me and did homework with me and helped me concentrate. But I know it was really frustrating for her um, to teach me certain things. Like I just couldn't grasp things in the way that we were learning about them. Um, the first like couple years of my life, I went to a Montessori school and Montessori was, it was, I feel like it really gave me an upper hand, but also I, I do remember like just feeling really like unsure and like confused about like the tools that we use to do math, for example. Um, I, it was very abstract for me, I, I think is the best way of me putting that. Mm. And then like, I was on honor roll like my first couple years, like in elementary school, like first grade, second grade, but it was like after second grade, I just had a really hard time. And I remember like struggling most of the time and coming home with like really bad grades, like Fs and, and my parents, I think were really disappointed because they knew I was really smart for some reason. Like I would get Fs though and like Ds and Cs. Um, and so I wasn't really a good student. It wasn't until... I started to hang out with like more gifted people. Um, like I remember having a boyfriend in high school, my first boyfriend in high school. Well, not my first boyfriend, but my boyfriend in high school, um, he was like gifted and I used to hang out with him. And because I think I was hanging out with him a lot, like he helped me gain confidence and self-esteem where I usually lacked it uh, or felt like I was lacking in it. And um, and then I became more confident. I became a straight A student. My senior year, I was a straight A student by then. And my two first years of college, I was 
banging them out, like banging out those A's. And I remember I was just like super proud of myself during that time because I had this core belief that I was really shitty at school um, because I couldn't, I could read, you know, I was literate and all this stuff, but I couldn't comprehend what I was reading. Um, it would go in one ear, out the other. Um, you know, I would pay attention and like be quiet and be able to sit in my seat and not cause any problems. But at the end of a lesson, I may not have understood at all what I was doing. It's making sense that like as a child, like 10, 11, 12, even as early as like nine, um, I used to be on the phone with my friends. I would get on, you know, we were on landlines back then, right? In the 90s, I would get on my phone with a friend with a friend and be like, I don't understand the homework. And they're like, what don't you understand about it? Like the directions are right there would read the directions together. And then I'd be like, okay, so like, how do you do this? And what answer did you get? And I just remember struggling a lot um, if I wasn't doing homework with my mom. And then, um, yeah, and then I remember like transferring schools, going to, we went from, um, for the first six years, I was in a Christian school. And the next six years of my life until I graduated high school, I was in the Catholic school. And when I transferred over in my seventh grade year, I went over to St. Joseph's in La Puente, if you know where that is. And I made a couple friends really quickly because one of my friends actually spoke um, their family. Her mom um, came from the Philippines, just like my parents, and they spoke the same dialect of or same language of Chinese that we did, um, which is very different from Mandarin or Cantonese. Um, it's called Hokkien or Fukien. So, um, so it was it was dope. Like, I had somebody that I felt very connected to because of her culture. And she ended up being like, she would sit down with me and she would tutor me kind of. It was like tutoring. I remember this now. At the time, I didn't think of it as anything. I just thought like, oh, this is normal because I'm usually with a friend and a friend usually helps me with my homework. We help each other with homework. I thought like I contributed to, to it too. But mostly my friend would talk to me as though she was like kind of teaching me and teaching me in a way for me to like for things to stick and showing me how she does certain things and you know what I mean so she was kind of tutoring me and this is all starting to click for me you know um, I'm an English major I love literature I love reading if you ever see me somewhere I usually have a book with me or several um, and I wasn't always the best literature student I would get C's and D's I remember having like a lot of parent-teacher conferences because I did not do well. And now I'm kind of remembering that I might have been talking about this kind of stuff in my last, in my part one. So part two, let's go ahead and get into something new that's happened since then. I took a test, an assessment. I started following like these um, Instagrams that are focused on like ADHD, ADHD coaching, ADHD, like helping people with ADHD feel seen and heard and understood. Um, this one was from ADHD vision is the IG and he provide, he prov, excuse me, he provided this like link to a test that he was saying as a person with ADHD diagnosed with ADHD, this is one of the most, um, I guess to him that like the most accurate test, um, it, it's a really nice assessment because it, it, it's basically screening for 24 mental health, um, um, mental health, uh, diagnoses, um, or like the potential of having these diagnoses. Um, so yeah, he was saying that out of all the ADHD screenings and tests he's ever done, 
this was, you know, really a really cool one. So it's called Sage SR, Sage as in like teacher, Sage or like the um, Sage the plant, the herb, dash SR. And I'm going to go ahead and provide that in the show notes. So anybody who might suspect that they have ADHD can take this test. The test is $15. So it's not it's not super expensive, but also it's not free, right? I just want to name that. Now, because I'm like suspecting hardcore that I have ADHD, I decided to go ahead and pay the $15 and take this assessment. It took me, um, I think they time you. And I think my time was like 26 minutes that it took me to take this test. It didn't take that long. I sat down, did the whole thing from um, the beginning to the end. Um, I scored, let me go ahead and pull up my assessment. So what's really nice is you take this test and then at the end, when you submit your answers, you get results um, immediately. Um, and it's, I'll read the, the disclaimer here of the Sage SR. So let's see. The Sage SR, the Sage-SR-DTC is a validated self-assessment that is used to identify possible behavioral health problems. This test is not a substitute for a thorough clinical evaluation. Only a licensed clinician can make an actual diagnosis. Most people have or will suffer from a diagnosable mental health disorder during their lifetime. All mental health disorders are treatable. You may be at risk of having one or more of the possible diagnoses listed here. Alternatively, there may be other conditions causing your symptoms that are not listed here. If you are currently receiving treatment for a mental health uh, for a mental illness, you may no longer screen positive for it on the Sage SR. So, meaning like if I'm getting treatment for depression, which is something that like the the Sage SR screens for, then it may not show up on here anymore because I'm like working through it and receiving treatment. So um, it's not presenting as very like strong. Um, and that is something that needs to be treated. I'm going to continue on now. Regardless of the result of the survey, see a licensed clinician. If you have any questions or think you might need help, we recommend you print and save this report so you can discuss it with a healthcare provider. If you are experiencing suicidal, suicidal thoughts or maybe experiencing a medical emergency, call 911 or go to the nearest hospital or emergency department. Okay. So again, these are endorsed symptoms by possible diagnosis. And I scored, I took this test, um, suspecting I had ADHD. I did test for possible diagnosis to consider. Um, one of them being ADHD and there are several other ones on there too, uh, for mental health. Um, but yeah, ADHD is the one that I was really like, um, concerned with. So this test helped me to kind of confirm and at least like what was really nice about this test is you can highlight certain questions about this test. It's really confidential. Um, and then you could bring this, it's saying you got to go see a doctor, you got to see a clinician, you have to see somebody who can diagnose you for ADHD. And if you're like not, cause you know, for me, I'm at home, I homeschool, I basically, um, uh, a part-time, I, I work part-time, but I'm basically kind of like a stay-at-home mom that homeschools her, uh, her kids too, um, and does part-time work and does other gigs on the side and is trying to start a business. So there are several aspects of my life where I feel like I'm having, uh, trouble 
um, maintaining some kind of structure and organization with, um, which is another symptom of, I think, like to diagnose as ADHD. You have to have had it when like you were a child and also um, or these symptoms when you were a child and also like it needs to affect three aspects of your life or three areas of your life. Um, I, I think that that, well, I'll hold off on my opinion on that, but anyway, um, yeah, so I think it just kind of became really apparent that like my self-care plummets and I am doing so much work. You know, I think the, the thing here is like beating myself up because I do a lot of like self-development work and, you know, I went to school to become a relationship coach. I, um, you know, I meditate and I sit with myself and I do a lot of breath work and I'm a breath work facilitator. And so I meditate and guide people through meditation and all this stuff. And while it has really, really helped me, um, I am now in this season of my life where since leaving my job in 2021, I am just, it's, it's a totally different beast. Like, what I'm going through right now. Um, the things that are coming up for me because I'm afraid of certain things or scared of certain things. Like I feel like I'm having like sometimes PTSD. Um, sometimes I am depressed. Sometimes I, and I used to be really depressed because of my relationship with my husband. And now I've worked really, really hard on that. And that part of my life seems to be doing okay. And sometimes thriving even like, um, you know, what, what the hell? Like, I, it's thriving. I don't want to say maybe sometimes thriving even because it's like I'm downplaying it. Like, we are thriving. And um, that doesn't mean that, like, we don't fight or have conflict. But, like, how we repair our conflict, how we get through our shit is pretty damn amazing. Okay, so, like, but I catch myself sometimes in this trap of like, and I really want to share this because this might happen to you, is that you you may start to, if you're anything like me or you're resonating with anything that I have said so far, uh, you might beat yourself up because you think you should know better, right? Like you think like, oh, I know all these things, but like why aren't I practicing on myself? Why I know better, so why is this happening to me? Yeah. So, um, oh, also you may notice that whenever I do my podcast and you're like trying to follow me, I kind of hop from one thing to another thing to another thing. So I cannot stay on track. Um, and I'm not even going to try anymore. Like I used to try to stay on track and be like, oh, I got to pause it and I got to stay on track. This is me. So, and I do, I do quite well, um, whether or not I'm on track. So, and it always circles back to, getting on track. So let me pull up that test again. I don't want to like just um, skip away from, let's see here. Okay. So under ADHD, it's saying that, um, so ADHD, there's, there's, I think three different types. There's the um, inattentive presentation, and then there's the hyperactive presentation, and then there's a combination of both. So most people know ADHD for that hyperactive, hyperactivity 
um, characteristic of it, right? So you notice a child when they're like, you know, not able to sit down, not able to, like they're fidgeting all the time. Um, they're distracted. They're always like moving around. We notice, um, I think a lot of people tend to notice, and and then this is where ADHD gets misdiagnosed a lot because I think you don't notice the the little girl who isn't causing problems, who is really her low, her self-esteem is so low. She won't raise her hand. She won't cause any problems. She'll be sitting there paying attention or acting like she's paying attention so that nobody picks on her. Nobody tries to like, you know, um, out her or anything like that. And, and then it seems like she's a really nice, good little girl, but, um, you know, she's suffering inside and doesn't know how to ask for help. And, um, yeah, so I scored for the inattentive presentation and let's kind of go down. These are the things that I, I guess when I took the test, this is what kind of came up over and over because, you know, it's one of those tests where they ask you questions and it's kind of a little bit repetitive. Um, they want to make sure that you're um, consistent with the way you're answering the questions, but the questions were really easy to follow. I didn't have any problems like not understanding or like them asking a certain way that I couldn't understand it. So these are some of the things that I guess um, the themes that were coming up in the way that I was answering was difficulty completing tasks, easily distracted, forgets to do things, interrupts others while, you know, while talking, um, difficulty waiting in line, making careless mistakes, difficulty following instructions, difficulty paying attention, disorganized, avoid long, avoids long projects, um, behaviors in two or more settings. Like I said, in different settings of my life, this is happening. Um, behaviors before the age of 12. Behaviors impaired fun um, impaired functioning. Behaviors occurred while drug-free. So these are happening. Yeah, it's really important that, like to know that I, I do these things not – I don't drink or smoke or anything like that. So it's a pretty controlled, like, um, you know, environment for me. I – yeah, I remember like I would come home and I would forget like, of course, the teacher would give us homework and I would forget to bring home um, like my homework. I would forget to bring home books. I would forget to bring home like um, you know, I would read my planner. I would even forget to write in my planner. Like we had agendas and planners that were given to us and we we're supposed to write down our homework in the planner. And so we would copy it off the board. That's what we had to do. The teacher would put it on the board and she'd be like, OK, copy. That's your homework. Copy it copy it, write it down in your agenda. So you bring it home, you bring your agenda home and your parents can help you. They know what you're working on. But I would bring my agenda home and not bring like the books that were needed. I wouldn't bring the worksheets that were needed. I remember the frustration in my, like with my mom um, or my mom, how frustrated she would be when she's like taking out my books and I'm like missing things and I didn't have things and I had like my agenda, but what good, what use is that when you don't have your books, right? Um, oh my God, she would be so angry with me. She'd be so angry with me. And then I would be scared and I would get reprimanded and I would be scared and then I'd be in fight or flight and like mostly freeze in my life because I, you know, felt threatened, but then I was like stuck and yeah, dude, like it's a lot. And so, yeah, this is kind of like what has helped me feel like there's more confirmation with this SAGE SR test. Um, I am in the process right now of trying to get a diagnosis, but like nobody knows like, like, okay, so I called my insurance. They're like, go to your GP, your GP is your general practitioner, your PCP, um, is your primary care physician, right? So I scheduled with my primary care 
I don't know what they can do, especially since they're trying to schedule me like virtually with my primary care physician. I was so excited for this um, appointment. And then like my appointment was at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday and I didn't remember my appointment, even though it was written like it was I checked in for it and I did everything that they asked me to do for the appointment. When the appointment came, I missed it. I didn't even realize that I had an appointment until 1120. I was like, fuck, I just missed it. Um, So I missed that appointment. And now I have to schedule another appointment either with my PCP. I don't even know if that's the right place to go. I called the um, behavioral like line for my insurance. They tried to refer me out to some therapists. Of course, like we all know that it's really hard to get a hold of a therapist um, to try to. And I also don't believe that LMFTs like therapists can diagnose for ADHD. Uh, my understanding is that an ADHD diagnosis, um, the scope of practice would probably be in the psychology field, psychiatry field. Um, so I would have to see a psychologist or psychiatrist. Um, and this is just kind of from my knowledge from like, I worked for state disability. I worked for the government for a while. And I know that in terms of diagnosis, we didn't accept diagnosis from LMFTs. Like LMFTs could not diagnose. They could probably tell you that they suspect that you have certain things. Um, but in terms of accepting the diagnosis from an LMFT, no, we we didn't. Uh, we only accepted from um, like a, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, and anybody higher up than that. Um, it's really difficult, though. I think a lot of people when you have like a PCP or a GP, you don't know them that well. They don't know you that well. They don't know how you were when you were 12 years old. Um, they're going by what you tell them. And um, it's really, I think it's really challenging to, if I'm not 100% sure and I'm not confident if I have it, it's hard for me to go and demand like, or command somebody and say, hey, I want to be tested for this thing because I really think that I have it. I'm thinking that they're the expert, but then a lot of GPs, a lot of PCPs don't really know too much about ADHD. I don't think that you know too much about it until you delve into like the psychology aspect of like um, medical science and medical health. But, um, and, you know, again, mental and behavioral specialists and, and stuff like that. Um, but sometimes in order to even get there, you need to see your PCP for them to refer you to somebody who might be able to help you with a diagnosis. And this is kind of where I've been a little bit frustrated lately. Um, but I'm not really relying too hard. I'm basically going to self-diagnose myself and understand and just kind of show myself a lot of compassion. Um, this has come out mostly because I'm working now, um, I'm working and the and the type of work that I'm doing is so different than any of the work that I've ever done in my life. Um, there's a lot less structure. Um, I create the structure, but there's a lot less structure in terms of being told what to do. Um, this happened in my life before too. When I graduated from college, I remember getting a job. I got a job with, um, I had been working as a student worker for um, the USC School of Pharmacy and I did really, really well there. When I graduated, I could no longer be a student worker, but I jived with one of the really, um, uh, like, um, she was a program analyst and she was amazing. 
Um, she was like, she took me under her wing. She thought I was super smart and she, there was opportunity. She had just transferred from um, a smaller campus to the main campus of USC. And she was starting to work with like policies and uh, the policies and procedures for like, um, were they school of pharmacy? I think she moved over to like school of medicine. I don't remember. But anyway, she wanted to kind of take me along with her. So after I graduated, I couldn't be a student worker anymore. She was like, dude, you know, USC, we hire lots of people through temp agency. And then eventually they um, they will turn into a permanent full-time employee. And so if you want that, I can hook you up. You know, I got that for you. So, but you just got to go through the agency. Um, the agency will pick you to interview with us. You'll have a full interview with us still. Um you know, go through the whole process. So I interviewed, I got in, um, you know, obviously got the job and I started working there and I could not for the life of me understand what the fuck I was doing. Um, I mean, I understood when you told me like what I was doing, but like the bigger picture organization, understanding like how all the pieces of the puzzles worked, I, it just, it just was not landing. So I started to look like, like a really just mixed bag of shit. Like I didn't know what I was doing. And, um, my boss who had been my boss as a student worker and thought I was amazing started to just notice that I was losing it. I couldn't pay attention. I was like acting really interestingly. Like there were just some behaviors that she was like questioning about me. Um, you know, like, why was I taking like the, you know how at schools they have like um, pens, they have like lots of pens and pads and all this like kind of promotional stuff that they use to like, um, to kind of promote themselves. So like they'll give away like pens with their logo and like memo pads and notepads with their logo, backpacks with their logo, et cetera, et cetera. And like, you know, I didn't think anything of it. And I was just like, okay, yeah, like I'm using, I'm an employee here. I'm going to use this stuff. And she's just like, why are you just taking stuff? You know, like, um, why do you just assume that these things are yours when, you know, and, um, like, why aren't you getting the stuff? Like you're not organizing correctly. I have to tell you everything. Like, it's almost like I have to tell you play by play what you need to do, or you can't understand what I'm what what you're supposed to be doing. And at the time, I was in so much shame. I felt like really shitty. How old was I? I was 22. I was like really sad. I was like my mental health felt like I was really depressed. I was going through a lot of stuff at the time, actually, too. Um, I had just found out that my identity was stolen. And like thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars was taken under my name out of my name um, by somebody that I knew in my life. And so this was, yeah, this was like the peak. That was the peak of that time was that was what was happening at the time. And so um, what I'm understanding about ADHD is quite naturally when you're under a lot of like um, a really chronic stress and traumatic things happen, um, you're really stressed out. What you'll do is like as a survival technique, your body will start to try to tune out some of the things that are around you, your environment, because it's very threatening. Um, it almost feels like you're dying. And so what will happen is 
a lot of people will start to exhibit symptoms of ADHD during that period of time where they're super stressed. Um, I wasn't just a little stressed at the time, as you can, you know, as as I'm sharing with you, I was really stressed. I was 22, had hundreds of thousands of dollars taken out under my name. Um, I had creditors, people calling me to pay back this money that I never knew was taken. I had to deal with the emotional impact of knowing the person who did that to me and um, being around that person. And I was angry and I was told not to show my anger. I was told to silence myself. I froze because I couldn't get away from the threat and the threat was always around me. And I didn't know at the time I didn't have much money. So I still very much relied on my parents to like to live in their home and to stay at home. So it was a really, really difficult time. Along with that, I just started this job, which was looking like it was going to be my career because if I could stay at this, at this, you know, wonderful university, which I graduated from and, you know, everybody's like, oh my God, USC. And I'm 22. I'm like super impressionable, still a baby. And everybody's like, you need this job. This job pays like, this job was paying me $18 an hour in back in 2009. So in 2009, in 2009, I was getting paid $18 an hour just right out of college, which was amazing. Um, but I eventually lost my job because I couldn't handle it. And when my boss talked to me, after like a few times of talking to me and I felt so much shame, I couldn't handle it anymore. It really took a toll on my mental health. And I said, I need to walk away from this job, even if it does pay me $18 an hour. I honestly... I can't handle it. So uh, yeah, like it makes a lot of sense now, you know, like I'm just getting emotional because that wasn't the first time, you know, it was just like I had constantly been battling, like feeling like I didn't understand certain things and didn't know why when I was so smart and everybody reflected to me that I was smart, but I couldn't understand And I'm telling you, like, universities and school systems are not created for neurodivergent people. So, yeah, I walked away from that job and I felt very depressed. I was depressed about that. I was depressed because my relationship with my boss, like, suffered. I was depressed because she was, like, one of the people that actually pointed me into the direction of seeking therapy for what I was going through. Um, You know, my parents were kind of like against that and a little bit ashamed of me seeking therapy for what I was going through, probably because there was some involvement with like the traumatic things that were happening with me at the time. Um, So yeah, that was another time where like in my work and in my life, like my social life and in my family life and like where all systems were just like overloaded and I couldn't manage. So I am kind of in a similar situation right now where it's like I'm really proud of myself because I'm feeling a lot of the sensations from that time come up for me right now. Um, Sometimes I don't feel like it's not imposter syndrome. I wouldn't say it hits that hard anymore. It's like I know that things that I'm doing, I can do them. 
um, I just need help doing certain things or I need um, a list of things that like are possibilities that I could be doing um, and, you know, just asking for the help and not being ashamed to ask for help. And yeah, that's where all of this is making sense and where I would really love to have a diagnosis because of that. But I'm just noticing too that like there's a lot of flaws in our system and like and it's really difficult. I think like the system kind of fails um, neurodivergent people um, because it's a very ableist like environment, um, like schools and and just even the way like to get a diagnosis is like, yeah, it's difficult. Like if you're dealing with the symptoms of ADHD, like I don't know, it could be really it could be really tough like to like remember your appointments, for example, um, that your appointments are like done a certain way. They're not like meeting people where they are and um, helping people. Like if I think I have ADHD and you're treating me like I don't in order to get a diagnosis, like and, and until I have a diagnosis, like I may not know what I could ask for help for. It's just effed up. I think like I have so much like empathy for those people who have been going through the system and like I'm just like now learning about this. I'm just now it's just now clicking for me, you know. And um yeah, I would love to just like have some time. I think that's what I'm going to be focusing on is just like forgiving myself for not knowing, um forgiving myself for um beating myself up for things when really like I think the way to go is to like show compassion and and compassion goes a really long way. And so that's what I've been focusing on lately. I've been called to do compassion work. Like um, when I wake up, I do a compassion practice um, just to kind of like help ground me and help me remember that like I'm not a shithead. Like the world reflects to me sometimes for not knowing certain things or not understanding certain things, et cetera. So yes, this is another um, another reason, like, I guess the part two of this is just like, I'm realizing now that when it comes to managing a lot of different things and why at work, when I left my work last year, I slowly started to pull away from some of the responsibilities I had taken up at work because at work I was an on-the-job trainer. I was an a lead. I was the lead of my manager. So each manager has a team and I was the lead for my manager, meaning I was like his right-hand man. I ran his meetings for him. I, you know, printed out things that we needed for our meetings. I maybe sometimes like ran a meeting um, and things like that. I distributed work for him. Um, and then on top of being a lead for him, I was also basically like the lead for the specialty unit that I worked for. Um, so I kind of did some specialty work. Like I was a specialist for appeals and, and all that stuff for, you know, for the state. And um, it was a small group of, so this is kind of like a sub group, right? Like I was also a group of like, it was a group of four people and I basically also distributed our work, um, ran reports, checked to make sure that we were meeting compliance with the state and 
and the laws and all that stuff. So I was also managing that. At the same time, I was homeschooling my children. I mentioned that I was an on-the-job trainer, which meant that I split my time between all of these duties. And I helped like sometimes train um, classes of new people coming in that were learning our program. So I would sit with them and actually train the program and show them how to like learn the program. And we kind of did that on a rotation. So there were several OJTs and I was on rotation. Um, yeah, there's that too. And I also, um, I mean, amongst those things, I did a lot of other things too. Like I was also part of this group where because I was a lead, they had us like do reports for the entire, um, uh, like production for our entire, mm, what's it called? Um, our office. So every office needs a production report so that they can send that over to the higher ups of the state so that the state could see how we were using our time and producing work and how many, you know, how many work items we completed in a certain amount of time, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I was also on that team as well. So it was just like, I, in my life, am very capable and a lot of people see me as very high functioning um, I'm also the eldest. So my birth order is that I'm the eldest of five. So there's already a little bit of like that responsibility, feeling responsible, um, parent, like being in a parentified role. Uh, my parents, like my mom really relied on me to, while she worked and earned money for the house, she really relied on me to like show up to the PTA meetings, basically be like the mother role for my, some of my siblings. Um, and then like, I just tend to do a lot like when I'm at school like it it's almost like to stay stimulated I need to be doing a lot of things um I notice like certain stimming behaviors ooh yeah I'll talk about stimming stimming is basically um I don't have like the definition but it's basically something that you do I think like a repetitive thing most of the time that people do that helps them to feel stimulated um, is what I understand it to be. I don't know yet. I'm still learning. So bear with me if I'm wrong with that. But some of the behaviors is like I would not bite my nails, but I bit like the sides of my like the skin by my nails to the point where sometimes like it would be bleeding and I would continue to do that. Like I my mom hated me doing it, but like I would always do it in class, like in school. Every I was just I still do it to this day, not as badly as I used to, but like, I mean, currently I have like by the, my, on my thumb, my right thumb, there's some skin there that I had bitten off and it like, like got raw. And so there's like this little bit of rawness there. Um, I also like to rub my lips a lot. So when I, and I read somewhere that this, that there's like all these receptors on your lips that kind of soothe you. So when you're anxious that you tend, like people will tend to like rub their lips. I don't know anyone else that does this. I loved having smooth lips. Like I would always put like chapstick, Carmex, all this stuff. So I could have the smoothest lips so that when I use my ring finger, I use my ring finger and I just like rub back and forth like my bottom lip um, to feel like that smooth skin feeling. And um, that helps to regulate me. Um, I didn't realize it was all unconscious behavior before, but I... I'm seeing how it regulates me when I do that. Um, I used to shake my leg a lot. 
I don't do that as much these days. Um, but yeah, like just fidgeting with my legs. Um, and for the most part, though, I've been able to sit still. And that's where it kind of goes like unnoticed, I think. But yeah, those are some of the things too. And body doubling. I've learned about body doubling, which is basically like when you need kind of like a buddy system. So like you have another person that will do something with you um, so that you could get something done. Um, I noticed that I work really well, like in Pomodoros, like I joined this, like this group where we do Pomodoros, like, like work that we intend to do for 25 minutes. And then there's like a five minute break. And then we drop in again, 25 minutes. And then there's a five minute break. But what's helpful about being in groups like this is that there is somebody who moderates the group and asks if we need help, um, asks where we need support. If we need accountability, we can like kind of just um, express what it is that our goal is. And then we can share it with somebody and somebody could check in with me and kind of keep me on track. Um, and I think like knowing that there are others and not others besides myself in this space, like really comforts me and helps me to relax. So it's almost like a co-regulation with a group of people or one other person that helps me to stay regulated. Um, so co-regulation is huge with me. It's like the last week or so, me and Jimmy have been a little bit like stressed out financially, right? And like whenever there's financial stress in a partnership, it can really take a toll because there's like all these power struggles that come up. There's conflict that comes up. People like one partner wants to do it this way. The other partner wants to do it that way. One of them, um, one partner might not want to, money is weird, you know, and one partner might not want to talk about it while the other person wants to like really face it. And where you are in your development is going to impact like the way that, you know, how things go and all that stuff. And we had been under a lot of like financial stress, um, in the last couple of weeks that I almost felt so dysregulated because we were not able to regulate with each other. So I needed that co-regulation that wasn't really happening with Jimmy anyways. Um, so, and that's not, you know, that's not the end of the story. There are other people I could co-regulate with. So during this time I was in those Pomodoro, I was in those groups um, performing like work um, using the Pomodoro system and um, having accountability partners and, you know, reaching out to a community of people was really, really helpful. So I just want to share all of this stuff because if any of this is resonating with you, if any of this is just like, oh my God, me too, like you're not alone. And, um, and I want to share that like, and if you're like, shit, I'm not ADHD, I don't have an ADHD diagnosis, but all the things that you're talking about right now and saying that you scored that on that test, I'm going to go ahead again and share that um, the, the, the test in the, the assessment in the show notes. So if you suspect that you have ADHD, it's a really, really awesome assessment um, coming from somebody who suspects that they have ADHD and hasn't been diagnosed. Okay. Like, I want you to know that I'm not a medical, I'm not a medical professional. I am not telling you that you're going to get an official diagnosis from this thing. I read to you the disclaimer of that SAGE SR test. Um, if you suspect that, you know, if you are in any kind of danger in an emergency situation, please call 911. Um, if you, you know, are having any kind of 
um, suicidal thoughts, there are crisis hotlines out there that you can call. You can also text them now. Like I got on a crisis hotline. I told you I've been having a really stressful time. I got on a crisis hotline uh, recently within the last week and um, maybe last week or two. And it was just like a really weak moment. I was having a really like down moment. And I was just like, you know what? I need to ask for help. It doesn't matter who I ask for help from. It just needs to happen because I need to get out of like the stuck feeling. I cannot stay frozen and I need help to kind of start to take steps, take a little step, you know? So I got on a crisis. I went on Google, searched some, I used to work for a crisis hotline. So I was just like, I just need a number to someplace. And they have like people who are texting people now too. So if you don't feel comfortable, like calling and talking to a stranger, you can have, um, there are people who text you and it was amazing. I mean, she was super, it was validating my, um, crisis, uh, volunteer hotline volunteer was helpful and very validating and, um, very caring and empathetic. And I felt it even through the text message. So that was really helpful. Um, she provided some resources that, might be helpful for what I was going through. And so, you know, I just really wanted to share that all with you in case anybody else out there is having a mental health crisis. Um, you know, yeah. You know, the sacrificial mother lives in, in us. And I think that like, although sometimes we try to get rid of that sacrificial part of ourselves, the martyr part of ourselves, the thing is like, we live in a society that um, it's almost like you're abnormal if you don't feel like guilt and shame and sacrifice as a mother. So, you know, just be kind to yourself. This is the, this is the, this is where we live. This is what people believe. And to some extent, this is what we believe at some point. And it doesn't have to be like that anymore. Um, but I can be gentle and kind with myself and see myself through and advocate for myself. Like, you know, I think number one thing is to always advocate for yourself because if your parents never knew that you had ADHD, how could they know? And like, you know, we have better technology these days. Um, people are better diagnosing these days. And so you can have your own back now. I This is what I'm learning at 36 is like, I'm a mom. And what's really, really helped me about being a mom is that I mother myself now. So all the things that hurt about my past and my memories of, you know, my inner child comes to play and sometimes my inner child cries still about things that haven't been resolved or repaired. And um, and so when my inner child is crying and wants me to see and accept her um, I, I can, I can advocate for her and I can just be there with her in my, you know, in inner child work and just say, sorry, I didn't know and ask for forgiveness and say, thank you for playing with me today. And I love you. So, yeah. All right, guys, I, seriously wanted to keep it super lighthearted and not super emotional, but it is beyond that is, you know, for me, it wouldn't, this is me. This is me. So, um, thanks for sticking around. Thanks for listening. Hopefully this helps you. If it does, please make sure to let me know. I think you can comment. Um, Spotify has a place now where you can kind of 
like talk about what you liked about the episode, I think, or comment. And if you want to reach out personally to me, um, you can still email me, justine at justshapeshift.com. And if you are um, if you are needing help um, and you would like to, you know, get coaching for um, anything, any, anything uh, regarding your emotions and how to deal with your emotions and the energy that you feel inside of you. You're not really sure how to transmute the energy, alchemize the energy, shift that energy into something creative and beautiful. Um, and, and instead, it's feeling very painful to be with that energy. It's It's a lot of sadness, a lot of grief, a lot of loss, a lot of shit that feels so uncomfortable. It's hard to be with. Um, I am offering breakthrough sessions right now that you can um, schedule with me. And again, if you want to schedule, simply email me at justine at justshapeshift.com. Tell me a little bit about your story, what's been going on, and we'll see if a breakthrough session might be right for you. My breakthrough sessions right now um, is a gift from me to you where I will block out an hour of my time to take a deep dive with you and have a powerful coaching conversation around, you know, what's been going on and what possibilities are out there um, for you, you know, so maybe you need some guidance, maybe you need some help. Um, yeah, some accountability um, to help you create something beautiful out of your experience. Um, I think Tony Robbins says something about like, um, creating a message out of your mess, right? So, that's that's exactly what my life is all about is just, you know, all these things that we feel like we're in pain about, we can shift them into something really beautiful. And um, it takes practice, but we can get to a place where we feel like the victim and we can get to the place where we are the creator and the author of our lives. So yeah, book a session with me if that feels aligned um, and follow me on IG for more. Um, just Shapeshift is my handle. And I'm really excited to, you know, see where this takes us. All right, guys, I'll talk to you soon. Bye.